0: Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 2 Preview Edition and as always, we are brought to you proudly by Palmerbet. Get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season thanks to our mates at Palmerbet, We will have the head-to-head odds on all AFL. Nine games that we are going to preview to within an inch of their tiny lives. As I say, a very good morning to my Footyology podcast co-host, the esteemed, the, let's say, legendary (laughs) Robert Shaw. Oh, geez.
1: Good morning, Rowan. How are you?
0: (laughs) I'm all right. I'm quite uh, a humorous, Rob. I was hoping you might bounce off that um, that lovely nah, intro, nah, no, too early. Now you're a grumpy bugger. In too the morning, early. So. You've had okay. Me,
1: you've had me up all night doing doing um doing previews. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, uh, good. Good to know our previews are going to be informed. Uh, look, it was a great start to the season. Obviously, we talked about round one in our review show, but um, it's it doesn't take long for the alarm bells to start ringing for clubs that don't get off to a great start, is
1: not it? Well, the thing that, um, look, I think it's all right to go hard on unacceptable performances, but just because you lose a game, GWWS lost a game, uh, Adelaide lost a game, there's no sense at all of panic there, but eyebrows has to be raised at Essendon's performance. Um, it was non-competitive. It was, it was poorly planned, poorly carried out against a side that they knew a lot about, and knew their strengths and weaknesses, so that was a uh, that was a bad start to the year for Essendon. But I'd just like to say, Rowan, when you know, or everything you can read about the game, I just take a deep breath. I wait till round six, and, and an old coach of mine used to say um, that you know very well, you wait till round six. Uh, you know, you've played five, you've played six games. You've got a stats um, source that you can analyse and uh, it's a lot easier to assess teams at round that's a quarter of the way through the year.
0: Well you know, so I'm you know gonna, uh, Yeah. You know why I reckon he uses that as a, a guideline and he uh, uh, of course, for those who haven't worked it out, we're talking about Kevin Sheedy. It's because as you remember well, in his very first season as Essendon coach, Essendon was one and five. After six games, and then proceeded to win sixteen games in a row. So, uh, uh,
1: excuse me, and who yeah. came back from injury round seven? Let me a think. Uh,
0: a long Let sleeve me think, Tasmanian uh, defender. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was at his unobtrusive yet effective best. It uh, was a great season. That anyway. one, but almost broke my heart too. Anyway, let's not do the Estyn reminiscing. Rob will annoy even more people than no doubt. Round
1: we'll, six, you got a sample. You've got a sample that you can dissect properly. So deep breath, everyone, and um, let's put round two.
0: Yeah, don't go the early crow, I think, is the uh, message always to take away from round one. Well, we've got nine meaty games on the menu to dissect. Robert, as you heard him say before, has been up all night doing his homework. I've done a bit as well, so we've got a bit to uh, offer you on the analysis front. Right now.
1: On Footyology News feed.
0: Well, before we get to those previews, uh, some pretty important tribunal goings on. In fact, three tribunal cases almost uh, back to the old days on a Tuesday evening in Melbourne. Those cases involving Adelaide skipper Rory Sloan, West Coast forward Willie Rioli and Brisbane powerhouse Mitch Robinson. The upshot, Rory Sloan having a one-game suspension for uh, unnecessary contact made to Blake Acres Eye region. Uh, That is downgraded to a fine. So Rory Sloan available for the Crows this week. Um, Some might say surprisingly, Willie Rioli also free to face North Melbourne this week after the tribunal overturned a rough Conduct charge for a, uh, I guess, shirt front of Gold Coast star Matt Rowell in that game in Perth last Sunday. And the other one, Mitch Robinson, uh, his one game ban for uh, well, heavy contact on Port Adelaide Xavier Dersma, that upheld, and the one game suspension stands, and he will be unavailable for the Lions this week against Essendon. In Melbourne, I would say of those three cases, Sloan, not that surprising. Uh, I think the other two mildly surprising. I think Mitch Robinson's a bit stiff, Rob, and I think Willie Rioli's a bit lucky.
1: Um, Mitch Robinson went low in a brace position to bump. So technically they've got him on the fact that even though he didn't go through with the bump, what was your objective? You braced yourself to bump, so you've chosen technically... Two bump. If he'd gone with his but two hands down, like some of them do and made contact, he would be able to have pleaded that he was approach attacking the ball. Um right, can I, can- off air. So he didn't he braced, he knew he was in trouble, so he stopped and he tried to minimize the damage. But Rowan, there was damage, and this is where they're gonna get you. Did the player go off the ground? Was the player injured?
0: Yeah. And yeah. Off you well. Go. See you later. It's an ongoing argument, isn't it? I. I, I it think, is an
1: ongoing argument, Ron. Well, I,
0: I think, like a lot of people, they put too much weight on consequences rather than intent. Of course, they do. You know, sometimes the consequences uh, of a non-malicious action can be severe, and vice versa. Look. Look. The, look, the, the look, other. The optics. You know, well, it's wrong. And, and the other thing that annoys me about this is that sometimes, and and you articulated it well there, I'm not having a go at you here by any means, but we get hung up on those phrases about, you know, he went low, he braced, he did this, he did that. Sometimes I think, I wonder if the MRO and the tribunal guys also get too hung up on this. Just watch the bloody video of the thing and treat it on its merits. So I'm looking at Mitch Robinson colliding with Xavier Dersma, and I'm not thinking he braced, he did this, he did that. I'm looking at a bloke and thinking he hardly had any space between him and Dersma to make a decision. There's no time or space to actually make a considered decision about what he was doing. And I think given those impositions on the choice he made, I think there's a fair argument um, that he's pretty stiff to get a week.
1: Well, Rioli made a decision, didn't he? He made the decision to launch vigorously, even violently, into the air. Not at the opponent, but both opponents initially had their eyes on the ball, and that is why Rioli has been able to get off. What was your intention? My intention, Mr Chairman, was to attack the ball and approach the play in an aggressive manner, cleared, cleared.
0: And that's a really good point. That, you, that take those two incidents. The intent of one, uh, I would say the intent, and I'm not having a go at Rioli here, but the the intent of Rioli was more malicious than the intent of Robinson. Now people would say you've got to you've got to look at each case on its merits and not compare them. But if we're talking about an overall philosophy to the tribunal and to how we approach the issue of contact in the game, I think you should be comparing. The intent in those two cases, shouldn't it?
1: Oh, I'm not sure whether it's malicious is the word I would use, but certainly an aggressive approach. Well, more attack.
0: aggressive. That's yeah. my point. That's a, my oh,
1: point. 10 times more aggressive than Robinson.
0: Yes, that's yeah. my point. Robinson this, this can be barely... a
1: violent collision yeah. between two, two players where Mitch Robinson made every endeavor to minimize collision,
0: didn't he? So, so my question yeah. to you is. Shouldn't that be? Shouldn't that comparison actually be made? The comparison about what was your intent? Was it malicious or was it relatively benign? You
1: and I know it. it should be. Well, why isn't but it? Watch the video. Watch the video because they've got all these criteria on. They sit there with the pen and a paper and then ten criteria. Did he brace to bump? Was his hand? What did he have an intention? Did he have the ability to approach the ball? I've only watched each incident once, right? Because I was running a bit late this morning. I watched them once. So mine is based on one look and my gut feel reaction. And I possibly, I had them turned around. So I'm agreeing with you. Well, I would argue that one look and a gut
0: reaction is a purer way of assessing the incident than pouring over a a set of criteria and a ticking of boxes.
1: You're pouring over criteria and you're ticking boxes and you come up with with a system that says under these, that means it's classified careless, high, in play or whatever there's criteria. Oh, if you add those three up, that's a week. Instead of looking at it as a pure football act and saying either way, you know, if in another instance, that's a bad look. That's not good. That's that's a three-weeker. So, anyway, it's done what's done. Uh, R- Willie Rioli will make the trip to Melbourne. Rory Sloan will play. And Mitch Robinson will miss the game against Essendon, um, which shouldn't make too much difference under the fact that he is one of their leaders in their contested ball areas. Well, I suspect that
0: uh, this philosophical thing about the tribunal and the match review officer and how they approach on-field discipline and uh, reportable incidents and suspensions is one we'll be uh, having a fair few times throughout the year. But there's your first sample of it, folks. Uh, It's certainly an ongoing sore point for lovers of footy. But we have nine great games of footy to preview in round two. We've got a whole, oh gee, I don't know, a library's worth full of stats and experience and analysis to help you make your tips. And uh, then as you're about to hear, uh, you can totally ignore my tips and just go with Robert's because he's got me covered after one round. Let's get into it. On Footiology Previews with Punch. All right, well, before we get into our first game for preview, let's have a look at how we did on the tipping front in round one. I'd rather not, to be totally honest, because uh, for about two-thirds of this round, it was your classic <laughs> chocolates and boy lollies. What a start for you, Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw, folks, has ended up with eight out of nine for round one. What a performance. Yours truly, on the other hand, was at one stage... Zero from five. No, it can't have been zero from five. Zero from four. Somehow scrambled my way to five tips. But Robert Shaw, eight after round one. And uh, the old Roko on only five. So uh, well done, Rob. Uh, I've been used to lauding it over, finding about our respective tipping abilities. But it looks like early on I may have met my match.
1: Well, one of the great saves of all time. Surely (laughs) that should have been touched through. And give us a draw at the Adelaide Oval. But uh, what a wonderful piece of play. And um, to save the game, on the line.
0: And uh, just on that too, we're hard taskmasters here. If you if there's a draw, you don't get the tip.
1: No, that's okay with me. All right, good. That's fine. Just so long
0: as you know. We did have, how many draws did we have last year? I think we had three, didn't we? So, um, possible we might get a few again. Anyway, The tips after round one, Robert Shaw on eight, I'm on five. Let's start our previews and a massive game to start. Um, All of a sudden, this is looking like a corker of a clash. Thursday night, Marvel Stadium, 7.20pm. It is the Western Bulldogs taking on Carlton. And Rob, uh, the Bulldogs, well, they weren't too shabby in that loss to Melbourne. A, A really high standard game, the grand final rematch. Um, But the Blues, wow, what a massive last quarter for them. Seven goals to one in that last quarter, coming home like a train against Richmond. And they will go into this game uh, with their tails up and a lot of confidence. Uh, I guess the downside of that, perhaps, historically, if you put a lot of stock in history, the Bulldogs have won seven of their last nine clashes against the Blues. Um, Interestingly, though, uh, although they've got a really good record at Marvel Stadium, They've lost four of their last five games there didn't finish off last year too well and the Blues don't have a good um, record there at Docklands at all six from 26 Carlton at Eddie had since the start of 2018. the odds for the Thursday night game of course courtesy of Palmer bet our wonderful sponsor get tackle busting benefits. All AFL season from our mates at ParmaBet head to head. Uh It tells you this: the Bulldogs pretty comfortable favourites. They are paying a dollar fifty-three head to head with ParmaBet, and the Blues playing paying two dollars fifty-two. Always remember to gamble responsibly, Rob.
1: Yeah, I just need an update on Bontempi's ankle. He looked pretty sore, Rowan. So that's going to be a considerable. uh in or out, he's pretty resilient, this bloke, and I think he will get to the line. Um, you, you summed it up well. It's uh, in contention for match of the round, who would have thought? And historically the dogs do play this ground well. And uh, look, Carlton set up really well at the Melbourne Cricket Ground, on the wider ground. So I think their pressure should be enhanced at the smaller ground. I really do, despite their record. A couple of the matchups that I'll be looking for, um, like the pressure you can put on a player to perform uh, was shown it with McGovern for Carlton. Back to the back line. We need you there. And I hope we, we see the two aerialists in Norton and McGovern go head-to-head. That'll be good. Um, you've got a team that has a lot of belief and a lot of confidence now in Carlton because what they trained for over the summer worked. And what Vossi preached work, so they'll get a great lift from that. And they're up a team that's been there, done that, and won't panic at all. Um, you're quite right about the they weren't they weren't shabby at all. But what happened? The histrionics after the game certainly took away from the um, from you know the the battle of the grand finalists. Um, the, one interesting thing came out of that. We spoke about it. I think liberatore's got to go back in the midfield despite the improved form of smith who went in there i think smith attended something on 13 center bounces to tom liberatore's one i think they'll have tom up their sleeve to keep a close eye on Chera. and on the other side if bontempelli does play and get away this is a beauty of george hewitt this is a wonderful draft selection that he can play genuine forward genuine midfield and at the blink of an eye rowan he can go into full defence mode against a player like Bontempelli.
0: Isn't this a great test um, just of Carlton's newfound midfield depth, though? Because we talk about, look, I don't think there's much doubt uh, among people now that Melbourne has the best midfield, but the Bulldogs numerically, I think, probably have the deepest midfield. So just in terms of having the numbers to go around in terms of the rotations, it's a fantastic test for Carlton and for those guys you've mentioned, um, you know, chiefly among them, Hewitt, who will no doubt get a very important run with type role um, and Shera. Oh, geez. You know, you, you're going to say this a bit, aren't you? But Sam Walsh, you know, you'd almost, if you were equivocating about a tip here and Walsh was playing, you'd just about throw your lot in with the blues, I reckon, but um, can't help wondering whether his absence uh, might be the difference between them getting up or not. Having said that, you know, look, they will be as confident going into this game as they've been going into any game for a number of years, I reckon. And, uh, you know, the other fact we have mentioned here too, Rob, the coaching arrangements and are they going to be compromised to the Blues? I so see the AFL talking about uh, beaming Vossy in remotely into the coach's box environment. So... Um, be inter- interesting test how they cope with that of course with the health and safety protocols um, which were a untimely i guess interruption to Carlton's momentum but shaping is a really really good game this and um a fantastic opportunity for the blues to show that uh they really are um the genuine deal in 2022 what uh what are you thinking tip was
1: well oh, one of the things i really hate it's a uh... You know, get gets a bee in my bonnet. Uh, the throwaway line, Rowan, the game will be won in the midfield. Most games aren't won in the midfield. There's so many variables to game of football, forward line pressure, uh, defence, moving the ball through the ground. Um, but in this case, if Carlton can match or win the clearances and use the ball effectively from clearances, I think in the likes of Kurnow, De Conning, Mackay, Sylvani, They have the forward line that can do a lot of damage. They'll have to. They will have to stand up to the Bulldogs' experience and their manic pressure at ground level at Marvel Stadium. But for me, it's Carlton. I got off to a blinder last week. I'm on a roll. I've got the same level of confidence as the Blues, and it's Carlton by six points. Oh, good call. Our,
0: our producer, Damon Jackman, beaming uh, beaming at that news. Uh, he's a very, very keen Carlton supporter, young Damon. Um, he won't be so happy with me then. I think, curiously enough, Rob, I, I, I suggest that most games are won on the scoreboard. And um, <laughs> the Bulldogs stack up pretty well on that front, uh, but would certainly have to uh, convert better than they did against the demons. So, Few ifs and buts there. Aaron Norton, obviously, a bit of a key. They'd, they'd like to get a lot more out of those smaller forwards, uh Cody Waitman, etc. I think their midfield depth is still going to hold them in pretty good stead. I think they do play better at this ground than Carlton do, and I think that's quite significant.
1: And I very think significant. And my main worry, yeah, and that, I, and that 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 record. But don't forget, Carlton haven't been much good for those twenty six years. Or oh, 26 times, Ryan. So it's intriguing. I'll leave don't, it with no, you. Don't
0: backtrack, it just about is 26 years. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, it's 27 years since they won their last flag. Um, but uh, yeah, look, I'm, I'm sticking with the dogs. I, I don't think they were too far off the pace against Melbourne. And um, I think they're the better of these two sides still. And that's no disrespect to Carlton, who clearly are looking like they've improved a bit. But I'm going to go for the Bulldogs. Narrowly, uh, like your margin, Rob, I'm going to go Western Bulldogs by six points. All right, big Thursday night clash to start off round two. Uh, another big clash on Friday cool. night. Well, Friday night has thrown up a cracker for us as well. It is at the SCG, 7.50pm, Sydney playing Geelong. This is one of those games, Rob, you think a two particular teams matched up against each other. And sometimes certain images flash in your mind. If I say to you Sydney, Geelong, SCG, what do you think of right off the top of your head?
1: Ricky Quaid and Barry Round.
0: I'll stop being a smart-ass, Rob. I know that you know the answer to that is Nick Davis. <laughs> and, uh, Correct. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, we done it Sem- The preliminary or semi-final? No, semi-final. Uh, the Swans literally seconds from being eliminated in week two of the finals, and of course, famously went on and won their first premiership for 72 years. Wow. Incredible game that was. However, um, let's talk about the here and now, and this game could be a cracker in its own right. Very evenly matched these two teams. They've played 18 times since 2011, and the scoreline is 9-9. There was a period uh, over about a year and a bit where Sydney was really struggling on its traditionally fortress-like SCG. In fact, they lost five out of six games there across um, uh, 2019 and 2020. But they uh, have certainly fixed that problem up. They've won seven of their last nine at the SCG now. uh, Geelong, not too shabby at the SCG over the last 10 years or so. They're going five and three, five wins and three losses. A couple of those wins against sides other than the Swans, of course, during uh, COVID and all those rescheduled games. But uh, this a uh, real appetising clash, this, because you got two very impressive sides in round one. What do Palmerbet say about this game? Uh, of course, you get tackle busting benefits this AFL season via Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Uh, but they have the Swans, probably deservedly at home and after a good first up win, favourite in the head to head betting. Paying $1.73, Geelong at this stage, despite that smashing win last week, uh, you can get $2.12 on the cat, So that's pretty decent value, thanks to Palmer Bet. Always remember, of course, to gamble responsibly. Sydney, tight struggle against GWS, but did what they needed to do to get the points. And Geelong, wow, they could hardly be more impressive in their absolute dismantling of uh, Essendon, Rob.
1: Well, this will be the difference to me. And while I, uh, while I still stick with the Sydney Swans to win this uh, reasonably comfortable, Rowan, at, uh, by about 18 to 23 goals, a little bit over three goals, I think the Swans are very healthy. Um, uh, and Geelong, you've got to remember, they'll be greeted by a total, if you could, if you could actually pick the total opposite to what's going to happen in this game between what's happened last week you get an idea of what Geelong will be facing. They won't be uh, worried about it, but they're going to enter a pressure cooker, which they didn't, didn't enter last, uh, last week. Um, clearances are going to be hard fought, tough and in close. Um, uh, contested ball is going to be ferocious at ground level. It wasn't last week. But some of the matchups are still going to be very good. I wonder who'll go to Franklin. They don't want Tom Stewart to go there, do they? Because they're gonna try and free him up a bit. So can Mark Blitzavs go to Franklin, match him with the athleticism and his fitness? He would
0: seem to be, in athletic terms, the most obvious matchup, wouldn't he? I guess maybe I don't know if this would be too much of a a big call, but Mark O'Connor, not in that side last week. I mean, he's a very athletic uh defensive beast, isn't he? I wonder if
1: he could do it. Well, I, I think he can, he's a very good player, not a household name, but um, it looks like Duncan Myers and O'Connor will be available for selection. So Geelong are, um, are blessed with three very good players. I reckon Mitch Duncan be a certainty. And if they want to look at a Parker tag that can go forward and back, O'Connor's your man. Well,
0: this is the—it's a double-edged sword. Sometimes having players coming back, isn't it? Because, uh, I mean, clearly you want to get Duncan into the side, particularly men a goal or two, if possible. But then you know the the midfield ticked over so well of its own accord. You know, without those guys, so, you know, how much do you interfere with a, you know, how much do you meddle with a, a winning formula? So I guess that's something they've got to consider. That said, though. I reckon one big factor for the cats they've got to think about even after a win like that is pace and leg speed because Sydney are quick. They've got some really good runners, and Geelong aren't quick. They've got good endurance runners, and they're certainly, you know, they're working on the leg speed factor. And and kids like Max Holmes are going to help with that. But even Maxi, I mean, he's a you know he's an endurance runner. He's not necessarily an explosive runner. So. I think that's something they need to consider as well. Look, Sydney, for what it's worth on the injury front, um, they're looking pretty good. Uh, Tom Papley closing in on a return shortly, and he'd be a great uh, inclusion for them. Um, And uh, Chad Warner and Jake Lloyd uh, out of health and safety protocols this week. So they'll be available too.
1: Well, that's going to be very interesting. Your philosophy about, okay, it looks good to bring these players back. Um, We We spoke about Warner in our season preview as one to watch for the season. So I reckon they'll come back in, Rowan. But there'll be a couple of unlucky players to miss out on that side. But, uh, you know.
0: I've got no doubt those two will come back. I mean, Lloyd Lloyd is their number one ball winner. He just racks it up. And and Warner, look, it's close to a toss-up for me. Who's my favourite Sydney kid? It's a toss-up between Chad Warner and Justin McInerney. I love both of them, but, uh, you know, Warner's had some injuries. He's probably been less exposed than McInerney, but he is a seriously good player. So, yeah, I reckon both of them
1: will come back as well. Um, good to see the cat. Sorry, mate. Good no, to see right. the Cats just heading down a bit of a youth path. Some excitement from uh, the developing and emerging path at Stengel gets a chance kick four goals yeah you know we're still trying to work out who he was on Rowan but he got four goals and he did a terrific job and of course your mate Maxi Holmes and Brad Close so there's a little bit of an emergence a little bit of a changing of the guard of some youth but that's more than matched by the youth and the excitement of the Sydney list and I've got Sydney winning this game by 20 points
0: yeah I've got I've got a uh, winning uh, maybe a little bit less. so I'm, I'm going to go for the Swans by 12 points. Just on your point about the um, changes in personnel, a really good point about Parfitt. I think he and Narkel are almost the two guys they're most desperate for um, to deliver consistently. And I noticed Parfitt had, uh, I think, 11 clearances last Saturday, which was more than Essendon's McGrath, Parrish and Merritt had collectively. But uh, anyway, they're not part of this preview. Let's uh, just <laughs> cop that, boys, and uh, we'll move on to that when the S game comes up. So we are both going for the Swans. That's Thursday night and Friday night. Let's talk about Saturday. Four games to be played on Saturday in round two. The first of those in Melbourne at the MCG. Game time, one forty-five. It is between Collingwood and Adelaide, Two sides who I think it's fair to say, although only one of them tasted victory, were pretty impressive in their debuts and arguably both performed better than popular uh, opinion believed. They would. Collingwood, of course, really good win over St Kilda. And Adelaide, so close to what would have been a great win at home against Fremantle. Um, how are these two sides shape up against each other? Well, Collingwood have won the last four against the Crows and a draw before that. They haven't lost to them since July 2016. Uh, they're not tracking that well at the MCG, however. They have won just two of their last 11 games at the MCG, the Pies. Adelaide have lost their last five at the MCG, so Neither of these sides looking too good on the cricket ground these days. What do Palmerbet say about this game? Well, it is the Magpies, very warm favourites. Only $1.35 paying head to head the Magpies. Adelaide, uh, if they had to cause an upset, uh, it would be a good value upset. If you're a punter, they are paying $3.25 for the win head to head, thanks to Palmerbet get tackle-busting benefits this AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. How are you seeing this one, Rob?
1: Um, Well, I think Collingwood will have a good win, but um, it's interesting when you read out their records. You've got to remember some of the times, Rowan, and nothing against you reading out the records, but these teams have been average at times and don't actually win in many areas, do they? So... It's, it's good to see Collingwood get a win. That was very meritorious with a young side. Um, and Adelaide probably should have got the chocolates on their home ground. But uh, I think there's been a couple of subtle changes. We've spoken about Collingwood's, um, you know, they're a hard look or they were a hard watch last year. So there's certainly some forward handball, some aggressive forward running subtle rock changes of role for steel side bottom. Look, still the wing up and down the ground, a little bit of pushing forward, Penderbury off half back, gave the opportunity to Dacos to have a look at him off half back. he'll eventually go to a wing and up to forward. So they're, they're developing a really exciting and flexible defense. but this week they've got you know we had the, we had the situation of Nick Martin and now this time you've got the boy from um uh from Shepparton it was Shepparton Josh Rochelle who also kicked five on the boo, and he's 18. the worry about that is a lot of the Collingwood blokes in the back line uh, uh, apart from Magden, is Quain is attacking Penderbury's attacking Howe's attacking Dacos is attacking they started Noble on the bench last week does he have to start this game and is and is this kid that good that they're already planning on a lockdown defender for him.
0: Well, I guess from a defensive point of view, a big out or ab- continued absentee for the Pies is Jordan Rufford, isn't it? I mean, he's going to be out for another, I think, month at least with a shoulder injury. Um, then again, has Adelaide really got a, a forward set up that they're going to be that alarmed by? Um, it's still a bit iffy, isn't it? Of course, still no Taylor Walker and we won't see him for a while. Phil Thorpe, God, I struggle to say that name. Phil Thorpe you know, obviously very talented, but still a bit hit or miss, I guess. So, um, you know, probably less than the Magpie defence to worry about. i got to say, they were super impressive, weren't they? They're, they're definitely playing a more daring brand of footy under Craig McRae. Um, I wonder if Dathan Buckley felt a bit awkward sort of speaking to McRae about how things were going to pan out, given... Uh, I wonder if he's also asking himself, why didn't he take a few more chances with the way his Collingwood sides played footy. But they look, I don't know, it's easy to say, isn't it? But they look more up for the fight. They look more enthused. You know, they look more excited about playing footy. And Nick Dacos, while we're talking about great debuts, geez, his was far from shabby as well. There were some fantastic debuts made in round one. And uh, the two Dacos boys, uh, they're going to be serious value for the Pies. And they do have some decent young players emerging,
1: I think. Of course they do. But uh, listen, don't worry about Nathan Buckley, Rowan, please. You've got to sympathise with me. I had, to, I had to talk to Malcolm Blight after back-to-back premierships. Yeah, it's true. That is true. It's a very good point. And in fact, most people
0: would have forgotten about it had you not brought it up right now. So you're your own well, worst enemy.
1: Well, the statute of limitations has gone and it's now yeah. no it's now like, no longer discussed. I like the Pies. I like their attacking flair. I think... um. Even though their records have, have been a bit strange at the Melbourne Cricket Ground, where you think both cl- clubs would play well, I think Grundy is moving back into a bit of form. They do have the height factor up in the forward line. And of course, the best on ground return from America was Jordan DeGoey. He was superb and he'll spend his time between midfield and forward. And I'm not sure they've got a match up for him in any of those two areas. Uh, Will
0: Hoskin-Elliot uh, potentially available for the Pies this week. I mean, whether they play him is another thing. Hey, I've got to ask you, uh, and a bit of doubt over this man, but uh, what did you like Mason Cox's uh, sunglass-clad
1: appearance, Rob? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. He's got eye issues, hasn't he?
0: Yeah, yeah he has. Yeah. So,
1: um, no, he, he's fine. No, just, I was no, no, just checking.
0: I thought you might be a bit old school. I can imagine Robert Walls or someone not liking it too much. No, that's okay. Hey, where, do you, hey, where, do you, where do you stand on uh, long sleeves, by the way, given that uh, Chad Wingard became the first Hawthorne player to wear long sleeves since about 2004?
1: Who wore them in 2004? Well, oh, I don't know, but Alistair was, Clarkson
0: banned them. That's the point.
1: He banned them down in Tassie, didn't he? Because I thought he went banned down... them full stop. Well, I didn't know that. I thought it was in Tassie when they went down there, it was minus five, and they went to the property, steward. Oh, no one's going to wear long sleeves in Tasmania. <laughs> um, now, you're talking to a 51-game veteran that proudly <laughs> wore the number 26 long sleeves coming out of the back pocket, Ryan. Nothing I'll, wrong with long sleeves.
0: No, don't. I watched a fair proportion of those hundred games, Rob. You re- did. <laughs> I remember you well. Um, so let's, anyway, let's get back on track. Give us here. your tip. Uh, look, Adelaide, you know, I, well, nothing against the Crows, but um, I think Collingwood were impressive enough to, uh, to be tipping them at the MCG, I think. And, um, well, you know, if they're two for two, uh maybe that early season momentum can take them a lot further than some some of us thought they uh, might finish. Pies by 24. All right. I kept forgetting to give the margin. So, all right, I'll give them margin. I'm going Collingwood by 20. All right. That is the first of the Saturday games at the MCG. And uh, there's one down the other end of the Melbourne CBD a little bit later in the afternoon. Next game in round two is at Marvel Stadium. Saturday twilight is the time slot, 4.35pm. It is between Essendon, so disappointing in round one, and Brisbane with a hard-fought first-up win under its belt at home against Port Adelaide. What a Palmer bet say about this one. Well, it is Brisbane, a comfortable favourite, despite the fact that this one is away from home. $1.45, $1.45, the Lions are paying head-to-head at Parma Vet. Essendon, $2.77. Well, the last 10 clashes between these two teams, Rob, uh, have produced a 5-5 scoreline. line. Um, Essendon, though, their form is particularly good at Marvel Stadium. They've won 15 of their last 19 appearances at Docklands. Uh, but Brisbane... And yes, they have been a, a pretty good side under Chris Fagan for three years now, but they have won four of their last five games at Marvel stadium. So not a venue that troubles them at all. Gee, I can remember a game back in 2017 when Brisbane were really struggling down the bottom of the ladder, but they famously upset Essendon at this same venue. Uh, well, things have changed a fair bit in the landscape of both clubs since then, but uh, Brisbane pretty impressive against Port uh, Rob. They had to they had to fight pretty and scrap pretty hard to get the points, but they got them. And these are the sorts of games that if they are going to uh, achieve a top four finish again, they have to win games like this. They are a better side than Essendon, and um, that should be enough to give them a points even away from
1: home. How do you see this? I'm just going to go back to what you said about that huge shock all those years ago, when Brisbane got up on the back of Dane, Zane, Dane Zorko's three goals and the, the CEO of the Essendon football came out and publicly berated the team. Not good enough, unacceptable, which, are, which is nothing wrong with that. Mm. He was made to go to a leadership meeting with a group of players and to apologise. There was nothing to apologise. And since that day, Essendon, have not progressed in any way, shape or form, particularly their hardness. And um, I, I think that's a real sliding door moment for the Essendon football club, but they didn't accept unacceptable results. And to my way in thinking, you know, they're still not, but anyway, that's it. A- no,
0: hang on. I just, uh, that is a really interesting comment. And I think, a vast majority of Essendon supporters would agree with you about it. I know I did, and uh, I couldn't it just, believe it when no, he was I, mate. Yeah, mate. I, I couldn't believe it either. And uh, look, Xavier Campbell, I guess, put in a difficult position, but I, he should never have backed down on that. And um, oh, he backed
1: down. He, he, he ran out the back door as soon as they put a bit of pressure on him. Yeah, um, it was an unacceptable performance. He didn't say anything wrong. He mm. didn't use language. He said unacceptable not good enough for an essence football team anyway so, so do you think they're still paying the price for that of course they are yeah they're
0: okay.
1: paying the price for 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 you know being let off the hook you yeah. know yeah yeah and, no. and, the, and the coach saying oh i think he was a bit over the top yeah i no,
0: don't know I Do agree with you all right well, it, back to 2022
1: the focus will be on joe Danaher, from the crowd and on inside the ground if it's on Joe Danaher inside the ground and they're worried about the big fella who's in very good form. They've got a few more worries. Cameron was quiet, right? Mm. Uh, Burton did a very good job on, on him. But then there's McCarthy, Rayner, Bailey and Zorko if Zorko gets to the line with the uh, with a little dodgy calf. They have the best collection of medium to small creative, exciting, explosive, half-forward flankers, wingers in the competition. And this is not Essendon's strong point because they specifically went and got Kelly because Adrian Dodoro said he can play. He's We got him to play on small, medium, which is our problem. Is that correct? Mm. Well, why did he play on and let Stengel run around and kick four goals on the mid match with Jordan Ridley? Well, it's a good question. Um,
0: I, I, I think in a, a bigger picture issue, midfield, all of a sudden you put Essendon's midfield up against one like Brisbane and it doesn't look that intimidating. And now, it's yeah, look, Stringer coming back is going to be a big plus for them. But Kyle Langford out for essentially half a season. That That's is a, a major blow. Well, Essendon's major. midfield is aren't big-bodied and strong. He is. and that Six was going foot to be, three
1: and yeah, 92 that was, kilos.
0: That was going to be a big part of their midfield setup. Now he's gone. So Stringer comes in, but rather than adding to that body strength, he's now replacing what they've lost. And look, Harry Jones, I hope he doesn't become one of those players that's forever injured because, to me, he looks the pick of all those young guys, but he just needs to get some... Consistent games under his belt, but you know, all of a sudden you're looking at well, not all of a sudden. Both of us had our doubts, didn't we? But I'm looking at that Essendon lineup now, and I'm thinking, yeah, a bit iffy down back. I don't think they can replicate the sort of scores they had last year, not having lost the personnel they have. And there's some serious questions being asked about the metal of that midfield group. And you're up against a side that's been top four the last what two or three years. So, um, pretty
1: hard to see them winning. It's a battle of a philosophy too. Fagan philosophy is the contest and uh, Rutten's philosophy is certainly the process. And I think the contest is going to have a really good win. It's Essendon's weakness and has been for some time. They pride themselves on their clearance work, their pressure around the ball. They've got a potent forward line and, um, despite the fact that Essendon are very comfortable. And we're gonna talk about this further on in the year, the comfort of Essendon at Marvel um, uh, compared to other grounds. I think Fagan wins easily. Brisbane, a sore after a touch tough game. Essendon, cherry ripe, fresh as a daisy, didn't get a bump, but that'll put Brisbane in a lot better con- uh, preparation for this game. Lines by 39 points. Just quickly
0: before I give my tip and margin, when you talk about process in a game sense, what are you
1: talking about? I'm talking about this is where you stand. At a boundary throwing, you stand here. Your role, everyone's got a role. They're all focused on role. A half forward. Your role is to roll up to the hard, to the to the stoppage. Your so that's process. Um, okay, well, hopefully last Saturday he didn't say to merit
0: Parish McGrath. Your role is to stand on the offensive side, side of, of the, the set yeah. and let Patrick Dangerfield run unimpeded towards the opposition goal.
1: Oh, anyway.
0: <laughs> All right. We've had a bit bitter and twisted over last week. Uh, I am going for Brisbane comfortably as well. Uh, maybe not high 30s, but uh, I reckon 26 points. Can I just time. say one thing quickly?
1: Yes, you can. Can they please put a defensive forward on Daniel Rich at Marvel Stadium? He will kick the ball from half back to the goal square, like he did at the Gabba last time where he destroyed Essendon after they failed to man him up. Great observation.
0: All right, Brisbane for both of us there. Let's head to Adelaide on Saturday evening. Saturday evening serves up an interesting encounter between Port Adelaide and Hawthorne. Saturday, 7.40pm Eastern Time, 710 in Adelaide. That game, of course, at Adelaide Oval. Um, These sides haven't... uh, I've got a perverse interest in some stats, Rob. This is one of my favourites. It's sides that don't play each other much. Port Adelaide and Hawthorne have played each other only six times in the last six years. Um, So they're due to uh, meet twice in the season. The scoreline over that period is three apiece. Um, Hawthorne at Adelaide Oval, uh, batting at about 50%, played 13. And the scoreline there is six and seven. I thought uh, Port Adelaide were a bit stiff last week with their injuries. Does that have any impact on the betting for this game or Palmer bet? are telling us the following, that the Power are a very warm favourite. In fact, they might be the shortest-priced favourite of the round. Just $1.23 head-to-head with Palmer Back Get tackle-busting benefits this AFL season. Hawthorne, in contrast, you can get a lucrative (laughs) $4.20 on the Hawks. I thought uh, they were reasonably impressive against North Melbourne. Port Adelaide, uh, a bit stiff, like we say, uh, with the run of injuries they had to cop, and um, I'll just rattle them off shortly, Rob. But your
1: initial thoughts about this game, and then when you do, can you rattle them off to Palmerbet too, while you're at it?
0: Yes, no, it's a fair. Well, okay, let's let's talk about them now. Alia, Alia, ankle, critical. Critical will, player. Okay, he'll miss at least five weeks. Right. Uh, Tom Cleary missing to begin with. Charlie Dixon wasn't there last week. He's still three weeks away. Yes. A test for Xavier Dersma, who got crunched by Mitch Robinson. Horacio Fantasia, the permanently injured small forward. He's out for, for between six to eight weeks. Test for Robbie Gray. Geez, I wouldn't want to lose him on top of all the other ones. Trent McKenzie. Uh, they're Out. Yes, well, hyperextended his left knee. How's um, Robbie Gray's
1: hamstring going?
0: Yeah, uh, well, no, well, they're saying knee and a test.
1: Okay. Zach Butters, do we give him a mention?
0: Uh, not even mentioned in the injury list. He's okay. 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 But it's, uh, it's a fair casualty list, isn't it?
1: And the Hawks get back McEnvoy and Bruce, but they lose Lynch. So it's a couple of pluses for the Hawks getting in, and is going to be a great in. And, and Luke Bruce, we know what he can do in the forward half. Ken Hinckley is a noted back to the walls coach. And while uh, we're waxing lyrical there about the odds and uh, the injuries, uh, they will respond. There's no doubt about that. They will get the home crowd, the home game. There's a special Russell Ebert tribute at the ground. So any, any fair-minded Port Adelaide person would be embarrassed to lose on this particular day because of the Russell Ebert tribute. Uh, but I'll tell you what they're going to. They're going to on the back of the fact that Amira M- and Wiga- uh, Wingard, not Leon, Chad Wingard, had quiet days. Um, Changuth Jeth is a wonderful player off halfback. They've got a good, young, exciting backline. This is a winnable game for... for Uh, the Hawks, particularly if those injuries are out. I'm not underestimating Ken Hinkley's ability to get his side fighting. And this is the big tick for Port. And while I'm worried about my tip, um, I think Riley Burton will do a good job, uh, did a good job on Charlie Cameron and he'll have to take a Wingard or a Bruce when they come back. But on the other side, if Liam Shields can quieten boke. Or, or 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 wines, I think Hawthorne come right in here. They're gonna get, just like Carlton, they're gonna get a boost of confidence. They had a good win. They're settled. They got a couple of good players out. And of course, Port's injuries are well documented. Uh, across the board, I like the excitement, the run, the enthusiasm. I like the back line of Hawthorne. They've got a creative forward line. And we've spoken many times about the impact of Gunston and Sicily. I think it's going to be an upset, and I've got the Hawks by 11 points.
0: Oh, brave. I I like your courage in this early season tipping, Rob. It's very impressive. Um, I'm not following it, though. Uh, I'm sticking with Port uh, for no other reason than it's at home. They were close last week, so I think it's easy to underestimate a losing performance without considering why they lost and those injuries, a lot of which came late. Certainly upset them. Do they have the depth to cover off on those injuries? Well, against more able opposition, it would be a bigger concern. But I think, you know, as impressive as Hawthorne were, gee, they've got some young, inexperienced types going around in that lineup. Sam Mitchell still feeling his way as coach. Winning in Adelaide at any time is a big ask, let alone against a side that has been top four the last two seasons. So, Port Adelaide, I think it's a good chance for them to show that they do have better depth than people give them credit for and that they can cover off on some of those injuries. I'm going for them to win, not by a lot, but I'm going for the power by 16 points. So that, I think, is the first game on which we've differed this week, which uh, if last week's anything to go by is good for me. It means I might actually score a few. All right, let's move on to the next game on Saturday evening up on the Gold Coast. Metricon Stadium is the venue for the next game on the schedule. It is Gold Coast up against Melbourne. Saturday evening, 8 pm Eastern Daylight Saving Time is the start time. That means 7 pm in the unenlightened state of Queensland, where for some reason they don't have daylight saving. Uh, well, it uh, looks like a bit of a lopsided clash, this, given the respective fortunes of either of these sides. Do Palmerbet see it that way? Well, yes, they do. Melbourne paying $1.26 head to head for the win. Gold Coast, you can get $3.85 thanks to Palmerbet. Get tackle busting benefits this AFL season with Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Uh, Melbourne 12 3 against Gold Coast. Rob, they've, uh, like most sides, had little trouble with them. Their last loss to the Suns was back in 2014 Um, their record at Metricon formerly Carrara isn't outstanding it's 5-7 but we're talking about a reigning Premier and one which looked well no less impressive in victory in round one 2022 as it did on grand final day against the same opponent that said thought it was a pretty good win by Gold Coast over in Perth, and it's easy to make light of it because of the number of casualties West Coast had and the number of stars they had missing. But no road trip to Perth is easy. It was a venue at which Gold Coast had never won. Um, West Coast acquitted itself quite well, um, but Gold Coast didn't panic. They just kept following the process, if you like. And in the end... um, you know, were one going away by about five goals. So I thought, as a confidence builder, a uh, pretty important win for the Suns. Does that translate into a defeat of the reigning premier? Well, no, it doesn't. But I think I think they might be more competitive than some people might think in this one.
1: A couple of things have got to happen, Rowan. I think uh, the the Suns with these young, precocious players through their midfield and up the in the forward line. Um, uh, are going to have a lot of people back in Melbourne sitting on the edge of the seat through this game. I'm not prepared to tip against them, um, but the Suns have got no fear and will be excited to bring the Premiers to town. This is a huge occasion, and I expect them to use it to their advantage. I reckon both teams will be level. This is how I reckon it'll play out. I reckon both teams will be level on a terrific performance by Gold Coast at halftime, Demons pull away at three quarter time. The Suns have one more crack at them in the last quarter. And then the Demons just do enough to get over the line in a game. They'll get on the plane and say, Thank goodness for that. We went there. We got the four points and we get back to Melbourne.
0: You know, I'm um, just I'm just thinking, I wonder if Mel the games Melbourne has played over the years in Darwin, Alice Springs in the tropics, whether they will hold them in good stead now, because early season um, weather conditions up in those northern uh, match centres can be really oppressive, can't they?
1: Well, it can. My, my, my serious consideration, which I'm asking you, and I'll say to the listeners, I don't know the answer with this particular site. We looked at the Bulldogs go 20 points up in a grand final and let's say 20 points up in the next time they met. Both occasions, one player lifted. And he is a wonderful player, Petrarca. And neither time did Luke Beveridge do anything about it or have a plan ready to go. What, this bloke will do it again. If Melbourne are struggling, he will go. So I want to know, and we we don't do talk back on here, unfortunately, Ryan. But I'd love to know what Gold Coast plan B is for Christian Petrarca for halfway through the third quarter because despite the fact that I give the Suns a great opportunity to play well and push Melbourne, I don't think they've got anyone on the ground capable of holding this bloke if he lets Rip again.
0: Well, and no, I agree with you. And it, it's
1: because David he does... Swallow, the ageing veteran, could he hang on to him for a while? I don't know. I don't know if he could keep up with him. And he, all the and, others are exciting, offensive, not Rao, not Anderson, not Answorth, not Locacius, not Rankin. They're all too busy trying to win the game for him.
0: Well, I think the other thing with Petrarca is like Dustin Martin, he gets you in two areas, doesn't he? He gets you uh, as, at a set of bounce clearance, but then he gets you near goal as well. Um, and I think that can make the, uh, the, the responsibility of marking him more difficult, can't it? Because you've got to constantly hand over from player to player if you don't have the one type
1: capable of matching him in both areas. Well, you know, they're not a run run. They're a great side. They are a great side. And they um, Jack Lever gets back into that side, Rowan. So his combination, look, if you were tipping Melbourne, it's one of the, if you are, we are. The the, uh, combination of Jake Lever and Stephen May is going to be really hard to break down without King, who did his knee. They've got some flair, they've got some excitement and they've got some mobility. Maybe that's the way to take them down. I'm not sure. But Lever back into the side with May really puts up a roadblock for this Gold Coast Suns. I'm only going to go with Melbourne between 1 and 39. So I don't think it'll be a blowout. And as I said, The Suns will get a good look. We'll have a good look at phases throughout that game.
0: Well, the one thing that uh, Melbourne of the last couple of weeks have underlined for me is how good their depth is. I mean, they were without a whole half-back line last week, weren't they? Hibbert, Lever, Rivers. Yes, they were. And barely missed a beat. Uh, Of course, the injury news for them this week, Christian Salem's probably going to miss up to a, a couple of months. He's had surgery already. Harrison and Petty still around a month away, but um, don't look like they're going to miss a beat because of those absences. So fantastic depth along with fantastic balance in all areas of the ground. Uh, re- going to be really hard for anyone to beat them, especially Gold Coast. But um, again, you know, I like what I saw from Gold Coast in Perth last week. I reckon they can be competitive for about a half, but I reckon that's about as far as
1: they can push Melbourne. Do, uh, I, get, do I get half a point... For saying Gold Coast can push them if they do?
0: Uh, no, you don't. Doesn't work like that. No, no sympathy on the tipping front here. So uh, I'm going Melbourne, 36 points. Your margin? Uh, Melbourne, 21. All right. A bit narrower for Rob. OK, three games left, all to be played on the Sabbath. First game on Sunday afternoon. It is at Marvel Stadium, 1:10 p.m. between North Melbourne and West Coast. What are our friends at Palmerbet saying about this one? Two first-round losers, but uh, neither loser too shabby even in defeat. Um, of course, you can get the best odds thanks to Parma Bet. Get tackle-busting benefits this AFL season. Always remember to gamble. Responsibly, ParmaBet installing West Coast, despite the fact that they were a first-round loser and that this game is in Melbourne. West Coast will start this game favourite, paying $1.73 head-to-head North Melbourne, meanwhile paying $2.11. How do the Eagles go at Docklands? Well, I seem to remember them having some decent performances here. In the past, they have, however, lost their last two games under the roof at Docklands. Uh, they had one four in a row before that, though. So as I suspected, they've had some decent performances under the roof. Um, I'm
1: surprised that North Melbourne isn't starting favourite. Rob, are you? Um, no, I'm not. Um, I think uh, the West Coast Eagles start favourite, and they do on the back of Darling, Kelly, Ryan, Witherden, and possibly Shuey to come into that side, particularly... Um, particularly Darling in his combination with Kennedy, really exposes North Melbourne with Mackay out injured with concussion protocols. I think uh, the timing is perfect um, and uh, they, they're going to have a, a good win. There's still no Oscar Allen, but the Kennedy-Darling uh, experience combination is really going to uh, test the Northerners. Uh, expect North to respond uh, mainly in personnel, Larky Zerha and Stevenson had really poor games, and 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 they're sort of like their heartbeat. They're the excitement machine. They 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 pounce on opportunities. They're very good young developing players. Uh, Hugh Greenwood should get the job on Tim Kelly. I wouldn't be underestimating Tim Kelly's comeback to the game after um after COVID. Look, he might be a little bit short of a run, maybe fraction fatigued, depends on the after effects of COVID. So I'd be putting Hugh Greenwood straight to him. Last, and it's time that North admit that the selection of the three tools had an unbalancing effect of their team. And I think, you know, allowed Hawthorne, partly allowed Hawthorne to run over the top of them. So I think they'll fix that and pick an uh, an even more mobile side. But I, I think the experienced campaigners will get away with the win here at uh, Marvel Stadium.
0: Well, it sort of depends how many of them actually do come back, doesn't it? I mean, their, their injury list is still massive. I'm just having a look at it in totality here. And there is no fewer than 6, 9, 12, 14 players on that injury list uh, entering round two of the season and some really big names still out for a long time. Dom Sheed still seven weeks away at least. Elliot Yo, couple of weeks for him, I think. Jamie Cripps six weeks for him. Uh, Oscar Allen still a month away. So, um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they've got to you know they've got to hang tough until those guys get back. But maybe things will be sort of fast slipping out of control by then. That said, I, I mean, I like their chances at Docklands more than most. Um non-Perth venues. They they do seem to have had pretty decent uh record here. I thought North were pretty reasonable last week, and and I thought they went under in the end because Hawthorne were better, and we both think Hawthorne might be okay this season. So it was far from a um a poor effort in defeat, if you like, by the Ruse, they've got plenty to enthuse about Horn Francis. I thought that was a terrific debut. I mean, obviously it's been overshadowed by others, but uh, I thought he gave a pretty good indicator of why he's so highly rated. Davey Zuniac, he's definitely um, found his feet in this competition now, and he is week, week in, week out a good player for them, and uh, pretty much following the same path that Jai Simkin did a few years ago. So you've got some really good young players coming through. Nick Larkey up forward, I like him. Hey, an interesting one, I was about to call him Josh Marnie. But uh, Marnie is—he uh, looks about thirty-five, but he's actually <laughs> a, a young player. And there's something about him. He's got a bit
1: of—he's uh, got a bit of effervescence about him, don't you? He's think? quick. He's small. Yeah, he's a St Kevin's boy. I watched him uh, come through the grades at St Kevin's as a young player. Uh, that's what I'm saying, Rowan. Um, it's going to be the two—the two pillars in um, a Kennedy and Darling up against these exciting medium to tall mobile players with a couple of smalls at their feet. Uh, so it's gonna be a mobility versus a strength and experienced uh, game. Um, look, I, I West Coast really did a terrific job and they'll be buoyed by the in, influx of uh, four or five experienced players, despite the fact they've got four or five out and um, they have to win. They have to win. So I've got uh, West Coast by under two goals. So let's say nine points.
0: All right. I am going for the Roos in this one. I thought uh, pretty impressive, even in defeat. Uh, These are the sorts of games they've pushed the likes of West Coast hard in, even when West Coast had a lot more personnel at their disposal than they do now. So uh, I'm thinking North Melbourne should win this game. I am going for the ruse. That is first game on the Sunday
1: card. talk. yeah, I'm giving you a chance to get back in this, aren't I?
0: Well, I didn't want in to mention. Tipping. I, I didn't want to mention it. I didn't want to mention it. Let's let's just see what happens before we start. Uh, I'm I'm going to hide my light under a bushel tipping. And wise. it
1: could be all over after round two. You could be that far behind. Uh, but it won't matter. Well, I don't think that will be the case, Rob. But let's just see. <laughs> All right, I
0: can see we're going to do some good sparring over the tips this year. Let's uh, head back to the MCG mid-afternoon on Sunday. Sunday afternoon at the MCG, 3.20pm. It is a rematch of the 2019 Grand Final between Richmond and GWS. Hopefully for the neutral among us, uh, it's not a rematch right down to the margin because, boy, that was a bit of a yawn fest for a grand final, not competitive at all. Uh, Palmabet are telling us this has the potential to be the tightest game of round two. Certainly the odds are pretty tight. It is Richmond, just marginally favourite on the head-to-heads, paying $1.89 for Tigers. Greater Western Sydney paying $1.95 head-to-head thanks to Palmabet. Always remember to gamble responsibly, Richmond 10-6 against the Giants head-to-head at the moment of course at uh, 2019 Grand Final won in a canter by 89 points GWS's record at the MCG, pretty damn ordinary you've got to say, they've won just 6 of 23 appearances remember though, the first uh, 3 or 4 of those seasons they were pretty richly beaten up on as those young players started feeling their way in football. But it's not a great record, six wins out of 23. Um, They were pretty competitive last week, Rob, against the Swans. Richmond, not as impressive against Carlton and uh, certainly not impressive in that last quarter when they got completely overrun by the Blues. You're going to have to find something a bit better than that against the Giants, you'd reckon.
1: And a bit different, especially against the midfield of the Giants, which is moving along very nicely without Toby Green. The question I'm going to put to you in at the start of round two, are Richmond in the midfield rebuild already? Can they continue to rely on 32 or whatever it is, Trent Cochin? Hamstring to Prestia, again, Bolton, energetic, important, enthusiastic, brilliant. Does he spend more time in the midfield? sean edwards the same as cochin a warrior three-time premiership player how much have they got more to give in the midfield do we have to go to jack ross do we have to go back and stabilize a little bit with josh caddy or do they bring in thompson dow or the young tires sonsi their wingers are okay pickett and and mcintosh are serviceable and going okay but it's the core engine room that's the problem and we're going to have to wait and see whether he just sticks with the Cochin, Martin, Edwards, Bolton combination, or he starts to be a bit creative, add a bit of pace because this GWS midfield is red hot. And let's not forget the people that you kick it to. They won't have Jack Ruwalt, which means that the emphasis will go on uh, Lynch and Bolter to kick them a score. So I'm um, uh, there's some. Uh, I think there was a lot more to like about the GWS loss than, um, than people give them credit for. Sydney, very good side. Uh, I like GWS.
0: I'm, I'm, I think oh, just on your point about Richmond, I, I am starting to worry about him a bit for the first time in the last five years. And I was thinking about this a bit after, uh, after that, not capitulation, but fade out against Carlton. One thing that became pretty obvious towards the back end of last year is that the toll that's taken on your list via success, i.e. the fringe players start going elsewhere to other clubs for opportunities, that chips away at your depth. It was pretty noticeable last year that the younger guys coming into the Richmond lineup couldn't have anywhere near the same sort of impact that the guys had come in previously did. And I'm talking about, you know, like uh, say uh, Jack Higgins, when he came into that side or, uh, A guy like... uh, Even a guy like Ross, you know, uh, when he came into that side when they were still at the peak of their powers, he quitted himself pretty well. But Ross is still there. Um, You know, I haven't been as impressed by the likes of, uh, say, Hugo Ralph Smith. Um, Blokes like that, I I think, are struggling. Uh, Riley Collier-Dawkins, you know, he's, he's shown flashes, but none of them have really sort of stepped up and gone, "Okay, we're going to become regular parts of this best 22. But in fairness to them, that's probably as much a reflection of the erosion of that depth around them. And it's easy to come in as a young guy and play good footy in a side full of stars, isn't it, Robin? I always, when I think about that, I always go back to Hawthorne of late 80s and think about the likes of Dean Anderson and Anthony Condon, good players, but they they, they look so much better players because of the quality of the players that were surrounding them when they came into that team. And Richmond had the benefit of that for a couple of seasons. They don't have that benefit now.
1: The interesting facts that uh, I'd like to back up our argument at the moment is that uh, last week against Carlton, Kennedys, Chera, Cripps, Hewitt and Doherty were the uh, six leading, uh, five? Five leading possession winners on the ground. Mm. Now, I rate possession numbers as much as I rate Supercoach. So I'm not going to get too carried away with that. But then you look at Dustin Martin had 21. Short was next. So there's a, a real discrepancy about one side. It, I know it's a one-off, but if the likes of Hewitt and Doherty and Chera and Kennedy can do it, I reckon there's a fair chance that Josh Kelly and Steve Coniglio can make a bit of a hole in this midfield. So for that reason... I'm expecting uh, GWS to record their first win and the Tigers to be zipped to after two games. GWS by 16 points.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily that big a call either the more I think about it. And just further to that point about depth, I mean, Richmond's injury list at the moment, you know, Kane Lambert, uh, Camden McIntosh, important,
1: D- important.
0: Yeah, Dion Prestia, Jack Rebol, Nick Vloston You know they're considerable names, and
1: Flosten, considerably important.
0: Yeah, and, and 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 getting back to what I was saying, even more so now because they are more reliant on those senior players than they were. Look, all this is leading me down the path to tipping GWS, but you know what? I'm a big believer in history. And something about GWS's performances at the MCG worry me. History certainly suggests it hasn't been a great ground for them. Is that relevant now? Well, it shouldn't be, but sometimes these things just are. And I think it's a big game for Richmond. I, I, you know, I think they will be awake to the danger here that if they lose another one and go 0-2, the early season gets away from them. You know, We, we might just be talking not just about their prospects for this year, but – for the next few years, it might be sort of end of an era type discussion. I'm not convinced they're at that stage yet, but no, it makes it makes it, winning those ga- hang on, it makes winning those games early in the year really, really important.
1: And to back up what we're talking about, Tom Green, Tim Taranto, and cemented Callum Ward say hello to, to that midfield, and and that's on top of uh, Caniggia and Kelly. It's good midfield. There's no doubt about that. Um, I am sticking with the Tigers, though, but I I'll, I'll freely
0: admit more of a hunch than going on logic with that one. So no, that,
1: uh, That's good. Takes me out to a further lead. But All right.
0: Um, okay. Don't get ahead of yourself, Rob.
1: It's only, well, around, it's only round two. I'm a bit like Carlton. I've got yeah, a bit of Carlton well, about me. Yeah, well, that's the very, now,
0: Rowan, uh, very unbecoming, Rob, to hear an Essendon person talk about a bit of Carlton in them. Final game of round two. It is at Optus Stadium in Perth, 6.20pm Eastern Daylight Saving Time. That is 3.20pm Perth time. The combatants are Fremantle and St Kilda. And, uh, well, their head-to-head record over the last decade couldn't be more even. They've played 12 times and the record is six apiece. Had some dramatic contests over the years too. These two sides, of course, Siren Gate down in Tassie and the Whispers in the Skies, umpiring controversy over in Perth. What are Palmerbet saying about this one? Well, they have got Fremantle. Pretty warm favourites. Probably fair enough. The Dockers paying $1.52 head-to-head. St Kilda paying $2.55. And uh, remember, with Palmerbet. Bet, you can get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season through Palma Bet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Well, important win for Freo last week, Robert, albeit only against Adelaide, and uh, it's more. I think the dangers had they not got up and won that game uh, as much as the benefits of winning that game. I think th- those are the games that they have to win if they have any sort of aspirations towards a finals berth and you could say exactly the same thing about this game against uh, an under and Kilda that isn't playing particularly well.
1: And It looks like Fife will be back into the side and uh, that very promising Ruckman Darcy should be back into the side. So um, it, the Saints won't get Ryder back with that Achilles. But, okay, I wouldn't have liked to see that Jack Hayes at 25 years old you know, his debut was fantastic. So I'm glad he's in the side. Um, the Saints have the forward line to win this game. There's no doubt about that. The combination, Memory King, Higgins, Gresham at ground level, they're going to certainly worry um, the Fremantle defence on that ground over there. Um, uh, Brad Hill returns to his old stamping ground. Well, not not Subiaco, but certainly his old team. So they're going to have to have a close look at him. He's, he sort of started the year off on on the form that we hoped and we knew that he was capable of. But once again, the Brayshaw midfield, the Sarong midfield, the, uh, the Frio team will be buoyant. They get back home. They have a week at home and they drag a, an injury hit Uh, St Kilda across the Nullarbor. Uh, I I think this is uh, a reasonably easy tip unless we get a super performance back to the wall performance by the Saints. I'm not sure they've got it in them and I've got Fremantle by 24 points just on being a better team at home.
0: Well I'm looking at the injury list of the Saints and they're just not in a position where they can afford this many injuries to this many important players. Who are we talking about? Jack Billings, still at least a couple of weeks away with a hamstring. Uh, Jack Bytel, uh, we don't know whether he's going to get up or not. Hunter Clark, important player, out for at least another month. Nick Coffield, gone for the whole season, of course. That was a, uh, a massive blow for them. Dan hannabury <laughs> perpetually injured with a calf problem. And Zach Jones, absent at the moment as well. Uh, the, St Kilda can't hope to compete. With the stronger sides in the competition, without talent of that magnitude in the lineup, and Fremantle, well, pretty good record at home. Uh, we know they're an emerging young side. It's great. One of the things I'm enjoying about Fremantle is seeing the dependence upon Fife, Mundy, Walters, etc., reduced as the young guys put their hands up more consistently. And who are we talking about there? We're talking about Brayshaw. Um, Caleb Sarong, he's another obvious one, but even more experienced players. You know, Matt Tabiner, uh, you know, durability always an issue there, but still managing to string some pretty good uh, footy together when he's there. Tracy, been a pretty good pickup for them. And Darcy, terrific as a ruckman. So they're definitely headed in the right direction. And as I said, you know, whilst Adelaide away was a game that they had to win if they're to be taken seriously as a potential finalist, a home game against St Kilda is a very similar story for mine. Um, they've got to pass these tests. I think they will pass this test pretty comfortably. I'm going for Fremantle by, let's say, 32 points.
1: Rowan, just on – I've read a fair bit in the media this week. Um, um, you know, our old um, workmate, um, Grant Thomas, uh, about team ethic, about um, uh, Jack Higgins' a failure to – handball to um, Jade Gresham running into an open goal. Yeah. And that the Saints have to make a statement. If they preach culture, they preach selflessness. I'm trying to put myself in the same uh, boat as uh, as um, Rats. I'm not sure. Um,
0: well, Why, whether, whether you – well, I mean, i give you my do you view, leave but him but at I'm, home
1: to make a statement – or you're cutting off, you know Your Alan nose to Jean... spite
0: your face. Well you and you and Grant Thomas are former AFL coaches, but my view is you only do that if you've got sufficient talent to be able to do it. They don't.
1: Yeah, but you're talking about culture and, and um Alan, Alan June does it said... doesn't missed handball
0: doesn't handball damage your culture that much, does it? I don't know, maybe it does. I don't know. I, I, I think a lot of these. I, I think a lot of these things sometimes are just tough talk. You know, it's something that sounds good, but would yeah, you really probably. follow through with it? You know.
1: Okay. I'm just ask an opinion. No, no, That's it's all. a good
0: question. I mean, would you, would you be inclined to do it if you were coaching them?
1: Uh, I'd probably be inclined to do it if I was emphatic about selflessness and um, sharing and caring for your teammate. He burnt his teammate and cost St Kilda a goal. Yeah, it's
0: interesting. It's it's interesting. If he
1: misses out, St Kilda are missing another player. Why penalise the team? Somehow penalise the player away from the team environment. So that's what that's Alan Jeans's philosophy was. Rowan, don't penalise the team. Don't take away the team's chances of winning. Look at another way of penalising the individual.
0: Well, you know, another um, adherent to that philosophy was none other than Mick Malthouse. I mean, he famously talked about different rules for different players and uh, there, there was an incident, I mean, we're talking, I think it was about 2009, I think it was Chris Tarrant and Ben Johnson and uh, yep. there was an argument that both should have been suspended and he wouldn't have a bar of it because he needed their services. So
1: yeah,
0: uh, it's interesting, Alan Jones and Mick Malthouse probably seen as two of the strongest disciplinarians in coaching history, and yet both uh, were more sort of likely to be pragmatic about potentially penalising their side. Interesting discussion. Um, Let's just revisit the tips there. So for me, it's Fremantle by 24 points. All right, I'm going to go for Fremantle. Uh, Have I already given a margin? Well, if I had, I'm changing it. I'm going Fremantle by 30 (laughs) Two points. That is round two of the 2022, the Richie Benno AFL season. All wrapped up some interesting previews this week. Thanks, as always, to our wonderful sponsors at Bet. Uh, Follow their odds because they are always carefully thought through and you can get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season with Palmer Bet. we will give you their odds for every game in our previews this year. Thanks to your company, you can be a supporter of this podcast via the uh, supporter feature at uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast, as a matter of fact. Or better still, become a Footyology patron via the many links to Patreon available on the footiology website as always some great reading up there this week footiology.com.au check it out um thanks again for your company rob uh, the feedback has been absolutely marvelous in fact i believe some afl clubs sniffing around potential senior coaches and this has thrust your name into the spotlight oh, once again how do you oh, feel yeah. how do you feel about that
1: oh yeah of course it Anyway, thanks, mate. Thanks again. Thanks to Domo, our wonderful producer, keeps us on track. So see you Sunday.
0: You didn't take that with the seriousness, I hoped you would, but uh, never mind, a good indication of of where we're both at in our careers, I think. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. Enjoy your footy, and we'll be back on Sunday evening to wrap it all up.